0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, 30 for 30. October is pastor's appreciation month and we're taking the month to honor God for what he's done in the 30 years of Praise Chapel Paramount's history. We're so thankful for the history of our fellowship, but we're looking forward to the next 30 years. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info@pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's such an honor to be with you. Uh, I got sent out of the other building. I got sent out of the other building um, back in July 2002. And so we're going on um, almost, gosh, almost 18 years of of being out and um, doing ministry and and it's so good to be home with all of you and to see, you know, Roxanne said not older, but, you know, more mature. But I see, I see some gray in the house. And, um, you know, that platinum is refined. Can somebody say amen? And it's good to be amongst family. I am a son of this house. Um, we did uh, lead Fresh Fire Youth Ministries. And, and uh, we were the youth, actually, we were the worship leaders as well back then. And Pastor, I actually took the mantle from Pastor Omar, or should I say he released the mantle of worship, you know, uh, for me and Roxanne. And then uh, years later, we actually did Saturday Night Live as well. So we did so many things together as a family. So it's an honor to be here with you. It's an honor to be back at home. We are sons and daughters of this house. And it doesn't matter uh, what happens and how big everybody gets. We're still a son and a daughter when we come back here. And so we honor our pastors. Thank you for being such tremendous leaders, for being gracious, and for being patient. For being patient, man. You have so much patience. It, it, it almost makes me want to throw up how much patience you have. And uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, man. I remember being in the, the back room in the other building. There's this little hallway in the back. And I was coming to Pastor Omar and letting him know. I was just telling him this the other day when we were on this trip. I told him, I, I found this building. I found this building and it's this big empty costume shop. And, and it was right across the street from a, a graveyard in, in Redondo Beach. And I told him, Pastor, we can do this. We can, we can remodel this. We can make this happen. Come on. You remodeled the bar for Long Beach. Come on. You could remodel a costume shop for me and let's do this. And he's like, Yeti, if you're going to learn anything. You're going to learn patience. And man, over the last 18 years, have I learned patience. And I'm glad that he taught me because it, it, it is a big reason of why who we are today and what, we were, what we've been able to experience. And so thank you. We honor you. We love you. We treasure you. And man, we can't wait to see what the next 30 has. Come on in store for our fellowship. If you have your Bibles this morning, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. And if you're looking for a sermon title, uh, the title of this message is Miracles Can Come From Painful Places. Miracles can come from painful places. Um, Acts chapter 16 is an interesting portion of scripture. And it is a story of two men, men of God, that are on their way to the house of prayer to lift up their prayer before God when they encounter a demon-possessed slave girl. Let's go ahead and read it, Acts 16, verse 16 through 23. And I'm reading out of the NIV translation. It says, and once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that very moment, the spirit left her. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs and unlawful, that's unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. In other words, what they're preaching and what they're teaching is countercultural against what we believe and what we think and how we live. And then in verse 22, the Bible says, Then the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped down and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Can we just bow our heads and maybe go before the Lord this morning in a time of prayer? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know that you're in this place because where two or three are gathered, you're right here in the midst of us. And so, Father, we pray for every heart and every mind to be opened. We pray for humility to spring forth from our spirit, to receive your living word, God, to acknowledge some of the weaknesses and the strengths that we have in our life. And God, speak to us this morning for your servants are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, can you give Jesus a big hand of praise this morning? Come on, can you praise God as if you were going to heaven, like you've been saved and redeemed by the blood? Come on. Why is it that we always got to encourage people to praise God? Why is it that we always have to encourage the men and women of God to praise God for what he's worthy of being praised for? I think if anybody should praise God, is the people of God. I think if anybody should praise God, it's the redeemed of God. Come on, it's those that have been in bondage and have been freed by the precious blood of... Come on, can anybody praise God... Does anybody want to give God a standing ovation and just thank him for the work on the cross of Calvary, for all the freedom, for all the deliverance, for all the restoration? Come on. Can anybody just shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph today and give him the praise that he is worthy of? I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you don't have caffeine in you. Can we just magnify Jesus? Come on. Some of us got to spiritually wake up this morning. Because I feel too often we come and we grow complacent and we get used to an atmosphere of praise and we allow ourselves to be diminished in the midst of it because we're too worried about how hungry we are. Come on, how thirsty we are for other things when we should hunger and thirst for the things of God when we come to the house. Come on. I'm going to tell you that there's something powerful about praising God through painful circumstances. There's something powerful about lifting up a shout of praise, a shout of worship when you're going through it. You see you would think that what these men did was a good thing, right? You would think that by casting out a demon out of a out of a slave girl, out of a girl who had what the Bible declares and describes as a spirit of python, right, this thing has wrapped itself around her and she'd become an oracle for darkness. And you would think that these men of God, as they were on their way to the house of prayer, that as they cast this thing out, that people would rejoice, that people would celebrate, that people would praise, that they would get a pat on their back, that they would be put on some kind of a pedestal, but that's not what happens. What happens is, they, 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 they get the, the owners of the slave girl upset because she's not able to make them any more money based on her now new circumstance. She's been set free. She's been delivered. She's experienced the power of God. And this slave girl, who once was a fortune teller, would more than likely go on to tell others about their her deliverance experience but, but in the story, it's interesting that these two men, for doing the right thing, for going around doing good, for preaching and teaching the gospel, for going into all the world, come on, for setting the captives free, you would think that they would be rewarded, but, but what happened was is that they were put into a, a place, a dark place that the Bible would describe as a jail or a dungeon. They were thrown into the deepest, darkest of places. They were chained up, and they could have complained. They could have complained about their situation. They could have complained about their circumstance. They could even start, they could have even started to draw comparisons to where they are, as opposed to where everybody else is. I want to remind you this morning that miracles can come from painful places. That miracles can come From painful places. And I don't know who this message is for this morning. You might be sitting here and you might be experiencing a painful thing in your life. You might be going through a struggle. You might be going through a painful circumstance. You might be going through a painful physical, medical, emotional, psychological, or even spiritual condition. And you may be in a painful place. Your your, your rent's gone up. Come on, California. (laughs) Your taxes have gone up. Come on. Right? You're, 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 you're releasing pastors to Washington and it's become painful for you this morning. Right? You may be in a painful place this morning, but I want to remind you that miracles come from painful places. You might be struggling in, the mar- in your marriage. You might, you, you, know, you might be sitting next to a goober. I don't know. But this morning, you know, you might be going through some stuff with your children or your children's children right you might be going through stuff with your coworkers your boss or your neighbor right she's parked in front of your house again and it's your parking space you might be in a painful place in life today finances are rough it's difficult times for you and it is difficult times for a lot of us today but miracles come from painful Places And when you think about Paul and Silas, they were on their way to the house of prayer. They were getting ready to pray and lift up their adoration and lift up their intercession before God. And on the way, they encounter a demon-possessed girl whom they set free by the blood of Jesus. And instead of complaining... And instead of doubting, and instead of crying, and instead of whining, they do something different. They shifted their focus. They shifted their perspective from where they are to who they serve. Now somebody needs to hear this this morning. Because when they shifted their perspective, what they did was, is that they zoomed out of what they were experiencing... They zoomed out of what they were going through. They zoomed out of their atmosphere that they were in. And they zoomed into the perfect grace and will of God for their lives. And how do they do that? They do that through worship. They do that through praise. As you as you see this, as the story unfolds, you'll see this. You see a worshiper, listen to this, praise chapel. A worshiper always finds something to praise God about. A worshiper will always find something to praise God about because they're looking for something to praise God for. I don't know who this is for, but I'd like to share a couple of things that we can do when we're going through the valleys of conflict and the seasons of difficulty because oftentimes what we do is the wrong thing to do. And when we do that wrong thing, it places us in wrong places with wrong thinking and wrong attitudes, and wrong interpretations, and using wrong filters. Come on. And we do this, not knowingly, but we do it, and it creates this conflict internally that can cause us to fall out and backslide when God wants us to move move forward and thrive and do what God has called us to do. So the first thing that we got to do if we're going to overcome all of this when we're going through difficult times, the first thing that you need to do is reframe your view. Look at somebody tell them, reframe your view. So let's remember that our perspective in life is our truth. That's my truth. My perspective is my truth. And my truth is my reality. Might not be your reality, but it is my reality. When we do couples counseling, I always tell every couple, there's your truth and then there's your truth and then there's the truth. Because your truth is your perspective, which is your reality. While your truth is your perspective and it's your reality, my, my assignment is to get you to the truth. And Jesus said he was the way, the truth, come on, and the life. And so let's remember that that our perspective becomes our reality. Our reality becomes our truth. And even though it's our truth, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's truth for your lives. So we gotta reframe our view. James 1, 2, and 3 says it this way. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see see it, see it, see it. Reframe your view. Change your perspective. See it. As an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, uh, when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to what? To what? So you got to see it. You gotta reframe your view, you gotta change your perspective, you gotta change your truth, you gotta change your reality so that when your faith is tested, it can stir up something that's within you to endure what you're going through. Now, I wish we had some more people in the church today that when their faith was tested, it stirred up some power within them to endure some things, in fact, all things. That they go through. In fact, I wish we had some more people that when they were faced with difficulties, that it stirred up some power and they saw it as an opportunity for God to show up and to show off. I wish that we saw those things as an opportunity to praise God through so it would shift our perspective to where we are and what we're going through to what God can do. And we know that God can do all things through Christ, that we can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens us? I wish we had some more men that, when hit with the hardship, saw this as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy of the calling of God on their lives. You see, somebody needs to give God some praise for empowering us to do all things. Sometimes we diminish, you know, I I, I love this this verse in this song, it says, that, that worship is my weapon. It's my weapon. And I, you see, we'll go through stuff as Christians. The Bible says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. That, that you and I are both going to experience hardship. When you look at Paul and Satan, you think they don't deserve being stripped down naked and beaten with rods and then thrown into a prison for setting a captive free. Right? It doesn't make sense that people that serve God and love God and give to God and worship God and sacrifice to God, it doesn't make sense to the common man that you and I would have to go through some stuff in life. That there are expiration dates on all of our lives. And so we will lose family and friends to death. Why? Because of sin. Not because they sin, but because of the, the sin of all humanity. Everybody tracking with me. So death is a part of life. But we know for the Christian, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. Right? We know that we're all going to experience hardships in one way or another. We are not um, separated from that truth in life. But the reality is this, is that in all these things, we can be more than conquerors. And all these struggles and all these battles and all these situations, we can overcome. And and what bothers me today, if if I could just keep it real this morning, it, can I keep it real with you? I mean, I'm back home. I'd I, I like to keep it real with you guys this morning. I, I find it really disturbing when Christians have a complaining spirit attached to them. They complain about everything. I mean, they're just whiners and complainers. And the reality is, is that when you whine and when you complain, you're creating a new reality for your life. You're creating a new truth for your life. It bothers me when Christians compare themselves to other Christians. I love what Greg Rochelle said. He said, the, 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 the fastest way... To destroy something beautiful in your life is to compare it to something else. Because we like to draw comparisons. In fact, because of social media today, come on. It's one of the biggest weapons the enemy uses to draw comparisons. In fact, today, more Christians today compare more today than they ever have in all of history because of social media. Because we see other people's highlight reels and we think that that's their reality. And it's not the reality. That's, that's their highlight reel. Right? But we compare ourselves to their highlight reel. You know, I would even dare say that churches have a problem of comparing themselves to other churches. And if you're not careful, you start becoming that kind of Christian that says, well, I wish my pastor and my leader was like this pastor and this leader. You know, you quote other churches and other leaders more than you do your own leadership. in the feeling this morning. Come on. We love what God is doing around the world. We love what God is doing in other ministries. We love what God is doing in the body of Christ. But this is the church that you've been called to. This is the house that you're being discipled in. This is the church that's investing into you. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? And, 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 and if we're not careful, we start, to grow, we start to compare our leadership and even sometimes our pastors to other pastors. I wish he preached like that. I wish he had a re- revelation like that. Come on. We think that, 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 that we don't do it, but we do. I've even had people come up to me and go, man, you're preaching on Friday. I'd hate to be you. Why? Because you've compared me to all the other preachers that have preached before me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We do this. Not even, our motive isn't even evil. Right? But we draw these comparisons. And like when the pastors go up to the pulpit, you're thinking, okay, what are they going to say today? I hope it's better than what the other pastors said last night. But the reality is that's not their assignment. Their assignment is to preach the truth that God put in them for that evening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is not a competition, but, but we love to draw comparisons. Come on. You know who you should compare yourself to? The scripture. That's the only mirror that you should ever compare yourself to. I wonder if Paul and Silas ever said, I wish Peter and, and Peter and John were here with us. How come they're not going through what we're going through right now? They got chained up. They got locked up. They were in darkness. They got beat down. Their body is bruised. They're probably still in a lot of pain. But they never, ever complain about what they go through. They never, ever compromise or, or compare themselves to anybody else. In fact, let me just share this illustration with you. There's a, there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I don't know if any of you have ever read it, but it's a Holocaust survivor who wrote about his experience in the Nazi concentration camp. Everything was taken from him. Absolutely everything was taken from him. His family was taken from him. His home was taken from him. His, 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 his bank account was taken. Everything, everything, his business, everything was taken from him. And, and, and they took away even his name. His name became 119,104. Tattooed on his arm. Now, Viktor Frankl said this. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Let me say that again. Everything can be taken from a man except for one thing. The last of human freedoms. To choose one's attitude. any set of circumstances. Let me say this to you. The most important choice you'll ever make today or tomorrow is the attitude that you have in your heart towards the things of God in your life. Listen, your internal attitude is more important than your external circumstance. Your internal attitude is more important than every external circumstance that you have much of our outcome in life will be determined by our outlook on life. And if you're not careful, you can create your own prison cell. You can create your own chain. You can create your own bondage by the things that you speak. But if you decide right now That no matter what happens, at the end of the day, like the Holocaust survivor, you might be stripped from everything. But I'm going to have a different perspective on what I'm going through. Because I can serve a God of miracles. Come on. You you, you, You can't strip my ability to respond like my Jesus. You can't strip my ability to respond like Paul and Silas. So what does Paul and Silas do? We know the story. Paul and Silas begin to worship God. They begin to worship God with their life. They begin to worship God in the midst of all their pain, in the midst of all their turmoil, in the midst of everything that they're going through. They worship God. But if we're going to have a different perspective, if we're going to create a different reality, then we're going to have to shift our focus away from what we're going through to the God that can get us through it. We're going to have to get our eyes off of the pain. And and I'm not disqualifying the pain. It hurts. It hurts to go through stuff. It hurts to experience hardship. But God can get us through that if we'll just refocus. And how do they refocus? How do they refocus? There are a number of things that they do to refocus. I want to read Romans 8.18 real quickly to you. It says, I am convinced. This is Paul, the same one that was experiencing that dungeon, that darkness, that pain. It says says, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Everyone was locked up in that prison. Everyone in that prison was locked up. And who should have been crying? Paul and Silas should have been crying. Who should have been complaining? Paul and Silas should have been complaining. Who should have thrown in the towel? I'm done with Usher's ministry. I'm done with life group. I'm done with worship. How can I get this beat down by doing what's right for God? Well, you know what? You're just becoming more and more like Jesus because he was about doing his father's business and he got a serious beat down and took your sin and my sin to the cross and on the third day rose again. Come on. So that you and I can worship him and know that if he went through it, we're going to go through it. If, we, if he struggled, we're going to struggle. Listen, if he was betrayed, we're going to get betrayed. Come on. By the world's standards, Paul and Silas should have, been, should have given up. They should have thrown in the towel. They should have gone into a state of depression. It's a big thing today, depression, anxiety, right? By, 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 by what we experience in this story, they should have been given a little puppy at the end, right? You know that, right? They bring animals to colleges now. 'Cause college students are so stressed out. Little 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 dog. I'm so stressed. I need a puppy to pet. I need I need some oxycodone to help me through. I need a Valium because I can't take her anymore. Come on. You got to zoom out of your problem and zoom into Jesus. Right? What did they do? They reframed their view. They zoomed out of what was taking place and they zoomed into God. Acts 16.25. Paul and Silas undaunted prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Let me say that again. They worshiped God. They sang praises to God. Their, their, Their body is brutally beaten. They're chained up. They're in darkness. And they begin to worship God because a real worshiper will find a reason to worship God. And in the midst of that darkness, they begin to worship God through it, right? They begin to lift up their voice in that dark place. And the Bible says that everyone in the prison heard them. Everyone in the prison heard them. They basically said you can chain up my flesh, but you can't chain up my worship. Come on. You may chain up this body, but you can't chain up the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. You may have put me into prison, but you can't stop God from breaking me out. (laughs) Verse 26, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and all at once the prison door flung open and the chains And the chains of Paul and Silas. No, that's not what it says. And the chains of what? Come on, say all the prisoners. All the prisoners. prisoners. One more time. All the prisoners. So get the picture. Paul and Silas beaten down, broken, jacked up. Sing, we exalt thee. Just going off. Going off. Everybody hears it. And all of a sudden, the earth begins to shake. The jail doors come unhinged. And the Bible says, not just Paul and Silas, but everybody's chains, everybody's doors, everything came flung wide open. Here's what you got to get this morning. When you worship God with that kind of passion, and when you worship God and you change your perspective, we can help others reframe theirs. Because your life, isn't just about you. Look at somebody, tell them, get over yourself. That's a freebie. Look at the next person sitting next to you, just in case you missed a family member. Get over yourself. Go ahead, tell them. Are, are we good? Is this Okay. Come on, when you worship God in the darkest of times, you can help somebody else shift their perspective. I don't know what's on you. You should be on drugs by now, but you're worshiping God. You got this joy on you, and I don't know what's on you, but I want what's on you. We help other people reframe their perspective. And when their perspective shifts, their reality shifts. And when their reality shifts, it becomes their new truth. Why? Because they saw somebody that was going through it and found something to worship God about. Because they were, saw somebody that was struggling in their family and they still showed up on Sunday lifted up their hands and came to the altar and still worship God. Because even though their teenager was acting up, they know that God is going to get a hold of them, so they're just going to worship God through their... Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is my second point. We need to help others reframe their perspective. Acts 16.25, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them by saying, faithful to Jesus in the most difficult of times, you guys, without even knowing, you're helping other people reframe their view of God. You're helping other people change their perspective on God. But when you complain, when you compromise, when you fall, when you give in, when you throw in the towel, when you backslide, you're giving the enemy a foothold on their life. Because how can God love you and let you go through that? Because how can God be in you and you act out like that? How can God be in you and you treat your coworkers like that? How can God be in you and you gossip about friends like that? We give the enemy a foothold because our truth and our reality has been shifted and molded by a lie of the enemy. But for the people of God that belong to Praise Chapel, for the people of God that know to worship God through the most difficult of times, they not only help themselves reframe their perspective, but they help others do so as well. Let me say it like this. Your worship has the capacity to help set others free. Did you hear that? Paul and Silas created an atmosphere that God loves to dwell in. for the Bible says that he inhabits the praises, come on somebody, of his people. Are there any people of God in this room right now? Come on. Are we just waiting for the third service to kick in? Are there any people of God in this room right now that want to change their atmosphere by giving God some glory through a heart of worship? Because an atmosphere filled and charged with his presence sends people free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Come on, Omar. There's freedom. There's liberty. Why do you think that when they worshiped, those things shook and the hinges came off and the shackles broke off because the very presence of God was in that place with them. They were not alone. Get this. It is essential It is essential that non-believers see you and I and the leadership in our church worship Jesus by the way that we live, by the way that we work, by the way that we love, by the way that we leave, by the way that we serve, and by the way that we give. In doing so, what ends up happening is your lifestyle becomes very attractive to the unbeliever. It's evangelical. Did you ever know that your worship could evangelize? Come on. Galatians 5.1 says, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partially but completely and wonderfully free. For we must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Romans 8.21 says, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. Let Let me just finish with this last point as the worship team plays. Last point, your worship creates an atmosphere that doesn't only shift the perspective, but an atmosphere where they can experience freedom—literally freedom. Acts six twenty six. There was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chain came loose. The Bible says in First Peter it says, "Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers." even though they, cause you, they, they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day that he visits. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, so don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and they will give their praise and they will give their praise and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. interesting, because the story gets even better. In Acts chapter 16, verse 27, the Bible goes on to say, that startled the the jailer awoke and he saw every cell door standing. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted in the darkness, stop. Don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. We're all still here. You know, I've been a part of the Paramount family for almost 30 years now. And I really wish that we could say that they're all still here. But they're not. Many couldn't break through their problem and ended up walking out those doors back to a life of bondage. Many people couldn't couldn't deal with the struggle because we know that it is real. And instead of praising God and finding a reason to worship God, they decided to throw in the towel and go back to a life of sin when they should be leaders and pastors pioneering churches today. We've seen this. Paul said, don't go anywhere. We're still here. And I wish I could say that about a lot of the kids that were in fresh fire back in the days. Because a lot of their friends are out pioneering around the world. I wish I could say that about a lot of men and women that I hold dear to my heart that were a part of our movement, but they're not here today because they compromised by comparison. They compromised by complaining. They compromised by wishing that we did this like this other church, when in reality, God was doing a new thing in this place. But Paul says, don't kill yourselves. We're still here. And I'm glad that the people that are in the second service are still here this morning. Come on, giving themselves to Jesus. And listen, while you've been chained up to some emotional trials, filled with mind battles, while the enemy said, here's what you get for doing good and serving God, while you've been, while you've been praying and believing God, while you've been loving and interceding, while you've been forgiving and sacrificing, sacrificing your reward is another raging storm? Could you imagine Paul going, man, I don't deserve this. But he doesn't. Not at once does Paul or Silas say, why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is this happening to me? No, they worship God. And, 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 And I just want to change your perspective a little bit this morning. Can it be, can it be that the very thing that you're going through isn't about you? Can it be that the very thing that you're experiencing isn't about you? Can it be that the, the affliction and the hardship that you're going through right now, the, maybe even the persecution, really isn't about you? It's, it's about those that are not of us as of yet. Listen, listen, listen. Because Paul and Silas are in a dungeon and they worship, and the jailer who doesn't know God. Who was put there to protect them and to keep them from escaping is gonna commit suicide because he believes that everybody's gone. But Paul declares don't worry, don't kill yourself, I'm still here. And the very reason why Paul was put into that position wasn't because he was being disciplined for doing good. It was because he was there to reach a jailer and his family that would come to know Jesus through their sacrifice, through their obedience. Come on. Through their worship, through their perspective. Come on. Is anybody here this morning? in need of hearing this message this morning. Because God wants you to know that while you've been trying to break out of your problem, God has tried to keep you in it because there are people that are on the other side of you staying obedient to him and worshiping him and allowing him to move in you and through you so that you could reach people that were unreachable by anybody else. Can it be that what you're going through isn't about you? It's about your brother, it's about your auntie, it's about your grandma, it's about your coworker, it's about your friends. Come on, it's about your tia concha. Let's go. Come on. It's about other people and it's not about us. We just have to endure. All right, I'm gonna close with this. I had this in my heart when I was asked to come and speak back at mama. And I realized that for me, Paul and Silas is a beautiful picture of Pastor Omar and Leti. Because what many of you have walked into is revival. But it wasn't, it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always like this with the planting of churches and the launching out all over the world and the conferences. It wasn't always. I, I'll remind some of you that I was here in the very beginning and I remember pastors that for doing good were rejected by people that they loved. By people that they helped set free. By people that they invested into. By people that they laid down their lives for. And these very people spiritually took their rods and spoke negative about them and whipped them with words and could have catapulted them into a really dark place. But I thank God that Pastors Omar and Letty, in the midnight hour, you didn't give up, but you worshiped up to the God our Father in heaven. And because of Pastors Omar and Letty Lopez, You and I could stand in this place and thank God for our salvation. We can thank God for the restoration of our marriage. We can thank God for the call of God on our lives because we have leaders that laid down their lives that said, no, I'm not going to complain. No, I'm not going to compromise. No, I'm not going to compare myself. I'm going to find a reason to worship God.